This is, uh, I don't know if you're in Bible, but it, uh, the title of it there says, I might not be saying this properly, I'm not well known for my pronunciation of words, being from the south, but uh, anyways, the Masco of Asaph, and in other words, what that means is instruction for us, an instruction for us, and so really this passage of scripture from the book of Psalms, and this chapter particularly, is meant to give instruction so that we'll receive it. And so that verse 2, it says, I will open my mouth in a parable, and I will utter dark sayings of old. I don't know about you, but I like hearing stories of the past. And I like reminiscing with things that that have been good things that have taken place. I love getting around older people. I don't know what age makes you older, but uh, I love getting around older people because of their stories. Because you sit there and you you feel as if you're, you're just listening to wisdom. And I, and I enjoy that, and I even crave that as a young person growing up. I, I found my friends to be older friends than, I, than even some friends of my own age. And I'm grateful for the people that have had influence in my life and learned many things from even a gentleman that I remember, is Mr. Newman. I remember traveling in his old 50 uh, Chevrolet truck, and he, and he would open up that glove box and pull out the spam out of the glove box for lunch. And, uh, but I learned so many other things aside from that type of lunch. I learned to stay away from that type of lunch. And, uh, but, I, but I learned many things traveling with him in that truck, and we did many things together. But he was an older gentleman. And so this is written, dark sayings of old, and, and it opened my mouth in a parable. Notice verse 3, it says, which we have heard and known. And notice who told them to them. It says, our fathers have told us. This chapter entails a lot about fatherhood and a lot about children, but I want you to notice, and I've titled this message this morning, and I believe the Lord led me to this passage of Scripture even for this morning, I want you just to notice some words here that are the same words mentioned even in the verses we just read, and it's these three words, the generation to come, the generation to come. I don't know about you, but I think often of what it will be like for the children and their generation and what is coming. I think often of my kids and what they're going to have to go through or what, or what they're going to have to put up with or what's coming to them and how they're going to deal with these things. My, what a different generation we live in than what generation even I grew up in. And I, and I look at some of you others out here and I think, my, you could probably say so much more so that things have changed and, and it's so much different than a generation than what you grew up in as a child, in your childhood. What you notice, though, it's, it says this in verse 4, we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come. I was very tempted in titling this, Show and Tell. Show and Tell. And many of you know that game and uh, maybe grew up playing that game, but this is a matter that it does apply as well to this Scripture, that this is something that there's things gathered from this passage of Scripture that we want to show, and we want to tell, and we want to talk about to the generation to come. And it's been said of this generation right now that they're known to stay at home a little longer than what they should. This generation. This generation is known to struggle with esteem, self-esteem, this generation is known for their social life to be online. I know you're surprised by that. 
But what will it be like for them? I think of some of the things that have taken place even in the last 10, 15, 20 years. And I think of how places of education have totally changed and what I ever thought things would happen. I think of how even you go to the airport and you want to just either get out of the country or you want to, you want to go to another state and the screening that you have to go through and the things that take place. Yesterday I was with uh, the college guys and just trying to feel younger with them. And uh, I introduced them to Sipatopia, which is Wawa's thing right now. It ends today. Not that I know anything about Wawa and visit there often. But it's, it's drinks for $1.99. And so I introduced them to shakes from Wawa. But something that they didn't know was going on in my mind when I was with them was I, I recalled the news in the Wawa in Philadelphia this last week and what took place there and how there's some stabbing that took place. And so I faced the door the whole time I was in there. Why? I never faced the door before in Wawa as I stood there waiting for a shake. The reason is because of this world is changing. And there's things that, have, that are taking place all around us all the time. And every day, there's things that we are surprised by. But you know, there's something that still applies to today and still applies to the generation to come. And I would say this, that the debt we owe to the past is to leave the future truths to the generation to come. That's the debt we owe. And I think of even children, and as I work in the children's ministry, and, and obviously the children's pastor, and these things, they're ever pressing on my mind, and I think about how much I want the truths of the Word of God to be instilled into their life. And I hope you desire that as well for your family. And God's greatest gift, I believe, is, is our families. And I believe that. And notice verse 5, it says, verse 4 and 5, it says, showing, verse 4, I'm sorry, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength, His wonderful works that He hath done. And I stop just for a moment here. Is there, is there things in your life that you know only God has done? That you can only say that's a God thing? And that there is no way man and, and on earth anyone could ever accomplish that, but only God can do such a thing as that. Boy, if there's things like that, can I... And challenge you, and can I encourage you, and can I, can I give you an exhortation in a way of this? Take those stories and share them to the next generation. You know, young people like my, myself, some of you would say, well, you're, you're just, you're wet behind the ears, or you're just a little young whippersnapper, or whatever you want to say. I want to hear those stories. I, I'd like to, to know about the things that God has done in your life. And, and I, it'd be well for the older generation to hear the younger generation and what God has done in their life. So this can happen. The older generation can share to the younger generation, and the younger generation can share to the older generation. And so we're, we're coming into the middle of sharing what God has done. What a blessing that can be and how that can help us and encourage us in our walk. For the young person, they need to know that it can be done, and I can get to where you're at. For the older person, they, they, need, they need to be able to share to the younger so that they say, hey, I remember what it was like when I was back then, and so it's a matter that you can do it, and it can happen, and you can get here. But it's not going to just happen by accident. It's going to happen on purpose if we show them. So notice with me, if you would, verse 4 says, showing to the generation to come. A fellow by the name of Gary Henry wrote a wonderful, it's a book of hearts of iron and feet of clay. And it's a study on the book of Judges. 
And he said this, the second generation syndrome is a difficulty of passing our vision and convictions to our children and grandchildren. He writes, the second generation has a natural tendency to accept the status quo and to lose the vision of the first generation. Too often the second generation experiences a second-hand experience. Church history is filled with examples of it, and sadly, so are many churches. The parents' fervor for the Lord Jesus Christ becomes the children's, catch this, formalism, and the grandchildren's apathy. I tell you this morning that we are one generation away from the truth falling in the streets. We are one generation away from the truth not going farther. Now you say, don't you know the truth is the Word of God? I'm not talking about the Word of God. I'm talking about the Word of God in our life. The Word of God is true and will will last forever. And and, and it's very clear on that passage of Scripture, especially in the book of Psalms. It mentions over and over how the Lord's Word endures forever. It's going to outlast you or I. But something that, that scares me is to think that we each have a circle of influence and at work and at home and, and then maybe our, our other hobbies or things that we do and those influences that we have around us that we only have so much opportunity for the truth to make it to those people. Can I encourage you this morning to say, I, I don't know what you're talking about with the generation to come because I don't have children or I don't have grandchildren. Can I encourage you to adopt some spiritual children? Can I encourage you to, to not stop at an age and say, well, they're not a child, but to an adopt another adult? You know what our pastor's vision and something that he's laid out for us over and over again, you walk up these stairs, you'll see it, and it's a matter of discipleship. What is that? That's produce, reproducing yourself in someone else. And disciples making disciples of others. Notice verse 7, would you with me? Verse 7, it says this, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. How are they going to know them? How are they going to know the commandments? How are they going to know the works of God in our life? How are they going to find this out? How are they going to have hope? The Bible says hope in God. How are they not going to forget the works of God? How can you forget something if you never were given those works of God, even in a matter of hearing them? So I want to encourage you this morning, encourage myself, and I was challenged with this this morning. I said, God, help me, please, to carry on the things that you have given to me and imparted truth to me to make sure that I get it to that next generation. I don't want it stopping with me. And I hope your desire is that way, and I'm sure it is, but it takes more than just a desire. It's, a, it's not just a want, well, I just want this to happen. No, it takes some effort to put those steps forth and to, to make sure it's in, instilled into those lives that are in front of us and the circles of influence. Can I ask you this morning, I I wonder if you or I were to ask your children, to ask your family, hey, where's the hope of God in them? Where's the works of God? Have you heard about them? What would you say are the works of God in their life? Not what sports they're playing, not, not what accolades they have, not what certificates and not what 
trophies and, and, and not how many times I've been to church and not all this. No, what are the works of God that you know have happened in mom and dad's life? What are the works of God that you know have really taken place that are real with grandma and grandpa? You know, ultimately what, what is done with preaching and teaching is, is just some of it is, is really telling and, and speaking in a way of this is what's happening in my life. This is what can happen in my life. This is what can happen in, in your life. And so it's the works of God that we're talking about. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes our works, they don't match up with God's way. Well, I think of this week how I had to apologize to, to my son. And it wasn't, maybe you would say, a big thing. But it just was a response to him that I didn't want him thinking that's the way he should respond. But you're the parent, and you can respond to the child. Yeah, I can, but I can either show him God, or I can have a chance to, to show him that's what a Christian looks like. And there's a big difference. Verse 8, would you notice this with me? As we travel through this chapter a little bit here, how are they going to know? Verse 7, how are they going to set their hope in God? Well, we're, trying to, we're talking about the generation to come. Verse 8, and might not be as their fathers. Well, there's a change here. So you have in verse 1 through 7, the way it's supposed to be. The way it's supposed to get to the generation to come. And then now in verse 8, no, you don't want to be as their fathers. Notice what it says, a stubborn and rebellious generation. A generation, what they do? What, what made them so rebellious? And what, what made them so stubborn? How could they be that way? Here it is. This is how it started. A generation that set not their heart aright, whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Now, steadfast is very much an allusion to something that is steady. And something that continues, and day in, day out, when it feels good, when it doesn't feel good, when I don't want to, when I do want to, when it, and it's, it's, not, it's not based on the feelings, because those feelings are up, down, all around, everywhere, roller coaster, here we go. Steadfast with God, but your heart has to be set aright. And the heart is not set aright, then we get to a stubborn, a rebellious generation. You know, I, I know many of you, I'm sure, would not say, man, I don't want my kids to go away. And maybe some of you have experienced that and the heartbreak that comes with that and the realness of that and in, in the temptation to blame yourself when in all reality, it's by the grace of God that anyone turns out or doesn't turn out. And we do the best we can do to show them God. And that's why I'm saying the generation to come, let's just do our best we can to show the generation to come what is from the Word of God and the works of God in our life. And so it gets to them and so it carries on with them. Because I don't want to be, as, as the fathers here, the stubborn and rebellious generation that's coming, and, and, and be as, don't be as your dad, don't be as mom, oh, or don't be as that Christian. They, they say they're a Christian, but they're really, I don't know, do you want to be that kind of Christian? Notice, where did it begin? Verse 3, we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. Can I tell you this morning, first of all, we need to accept God's Word. Number one, we need to accept God's Word as God's Word. 
And there's a big difference between, you know, there's two groups of people, and you've heard this, and, 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 it's, and we do well to reiterate and to recall it again, but there's two groups of people, those who accept God and those who reject God, those who are, are approving God and those who are refusing God. And so it's a matter that we can accept God's words. Would you turn with me to Jeremiah 15? I love this verse. Well, this verse, I want you to see this. And I want you to look at this, please, if you would, and maybe it's become one of your favorites. It sure has become one of mine. Jeremiah 15 and verse 16. Jeremiah 15 and verse 16. Jeremiah 15 and verse 16. says this, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Why? They ate them. You say, how do I eat God's word? By feeding on God's word. How do I feed on God's word? Do I try to take one word out and put it in? No, it's, it's, it's getting our eyes open. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And it's a matter that I'm in this book, and it, the more I want to eat of it, the more healthy I want to be, the more I want to grow, the more steadily I want to be steadfast with God. I want to be a father that, that carries it on to the next generation. I want to be, be a grandparent or, or a Christian that just carries it on to the next generation to come, because they're coming. Well, they go, days go by quicker and quicker. Oh, we, we say that, we hear that all the time. But what are we doing about it? If that's so true, then how quickly are we instilling truths into the young people? How quickly are, are we going to make sure that the works of God are very much in their mind, in their heart? And at least, hey, we can't force them to be a Christian. We don't want to do that. But we can make it palatable. We can make it to where they want to desire it, and they, they want to eat of it. And the words of God are actually joy and rejoicing because they realize that, oh, that's pretty good, that verse I just read. Oh, that chapter, oh, I could see my life kind of matching up with that, and, and I could see how God is speaking to me. Boy, the joy and excitement that when you know God's word has all of a sudden spoken to your life. And all of a sudden, it's become real to you. And all of a sudden, oh, I can relate to that. Or you know what? They have it way worse than I could ever have it. And if they made it and they did it and, th and they could do it, I can do it too. And for any of us that think we have it the worst, the first thing we ought to do is look at Christ and see what He went through. There's no one else that has gone through any worse than what Christ did on the cross. Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. See, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where it gets down to it. Refusal is not just, I don't want to get in my Bible today, or I got too busy. Oh, man, I, I forgot. Oh, it's, it's uh, you know, 10 o'clock at night, and I, I didn't read my Bible today. No, refusal is choosing to not even get into it at all, and to make a habit, and to make it a priority, and to accept God's word as a pattern for my life. 
And so this is how, how we know, and this is, this is how I must ask myself, what is in my life right now, not so I can say this is in my life because of the Word of God, but, but to be able to say, thank you, God, for showing me that in Scripture. And right now, because you show that to me in Scripture, I'm going to apply that and make sure that I live that in my life. Because we can just hear it and 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 hear it, but if we never do it, what good is it? You know what happens if we don't do it? Then those works don't get carried on to the next generation. That generation to come says, ah, they just talk. Their talk is cheap. Talk, talk, but no walk, walk. And boy, the works, there's something to works. There's something to it that we can talk about it because it's, it's real. It's become steadfast. You know what? The blessing of you being here this morning and being faithful to God's house is you are setting a pattern for the next generation. And God will bless you for that. You know, something that um, can do and see here is the acceptance of God's Word. If you turn back with me to Psalm 78 here, Psalm 78, what happens with the ones who, the fathers that had the rebellious and stubborn generation, it's interesting in verse 10, it makes it very clear of what took place. Very clear what took place. Verse 10, it says, They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in His law. They forgot His works and His wonders that He had showed them. Marvelous things did He in the sight of their fathers. Oh, it wasn't God's fault that it wasn't being carried on to the next generation. Oh, it can be. In verse 1 through 7, the generation to come, the testimonies and the wonderful works that He had done, the same kind of wonderful works that He had done for those fathers, now these fathers are not carrying on to their generation. You say, God must have done some things differently for them. Well, notice in verse 11, His wonders that He had showed them, marvelous things did He in the sight of their fathers. In the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan, He divided the sea. There's no man who could do that. Caused them to pass through. No man could do that. He made the waters to stand as a heap. Go try to make water stand up right now. See what happens. You're not able to. In the daytime also he led them with a the cloud. That's pretty good GPS. All the night with a light fire. I'll take that over Siri. He clave the rocks in the wilderness. He gave them drink as out of the great depths. Sounds good. He brought streams also out of the rock. I just want to see that. That'd be amazing. He did it. He caused waters to run down like rivers. What's well, sad? Verse 17. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lusts. Give us more. It's not enough. As if those things we just read were not enough. The parting of the Red Sea and the things that were done. That, those aren't enough for you to say that God's works are amazing and incredible and wonderful? And you're going to tempt God more? Jump over to verse 30 if you would, keeping in mind verse 18. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Verse, verse 30, very interesting. They were not estranged from their lust, but while their meat was yet in their, in their mouths, the wrath of God came upon them. 
Hey, you want more? I want more meat. I want more. I want more. I want tangible things. I want things that, that, that matter here on this earth rather than eternity and the things that I can't see. Well, while, the, while it's in your mouth, the wrath of God came upon them. See, here's where it gets down to. We, we say, this has got all the answers, and, 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 I, and I, I believe that this has all the answers. But then we don't believe it enough to say, because this has all the answers, I'm going to live out these answers in my life. But I, I believe it has the answer. I mean, the Word of God has the answer for everything. But then in everything, I don't think it's good enough for me to live out in my life. No way. I'm going to pick and choose, and it's a smorgasbord, and it's, it's a buffet line, and that looks good. That looks juicy. You got a lot of grease around it. Come on. Or maybe just jump through and go to the dessert before we even, you know. That's not the word of, how the Word of God is to work in our life. And we wonder why our children think, saw that today, but then tomorrow is different. Did mom and dad believe that yesterday, but then they stopped today? Are the, are the, oh, those people are Christians, but I'm confused. These Christians are actually making me more confused. And I'm not sure who they're doing what for, why they're doing their, what they're doing, why they're not doing what they say they're not doing. And all of us find ourselves with the world, flesh, and the devil, and these things vying for our attention. And God can help us with this. We must accept God's Word to be more true because we want to live the answers. We need to live the answers in Psalms 12, verse, verse 6 and 7. I'll read this to you. You don't have to turn there for sake of time. But Psalms 12, verse 6 and 7, it says this. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. See, the Word of God is not the problem. It's us, whether we accept it as really God's Word. If you and I do not have God's Word today, oh my, what condition we could be in. Oh my, how dangerous our life could be. Oh my, to think that maybe we would not have even ever heard of how we could go to heaven. And the assurance that that brings. And the peace that passes understanding. But yet, for our day-to-day -day life, may we get it into our hearts and may it become real into our life. That it be a matter that we say, you know what, I want to live the Word of God in my life. And I can't just say this to you and, and not think, man, I, I myself do not want to be a castaway in this. Because, you see, it only takes one decision to mess it all up. It only takes one, one moment to, to throw it all away. So, if I think that this is the answer, and I, then I, I know it's good enough for me because it made me wise into salvation, and, and it's powerful, and, it, and it, it can nourish me and allow me to grow, and it can build me up, and it can straighten me out. And it can make me strong. And it can give me assurance. And it can keep me from sin. And it can keep me from making mistakes and error. And it's able to warn me, and it's able to protect me, and it's able to pierce my soul, and it's able to, to allow me to not have to fear the future. Matthew 24 says, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that ye not be troubled. 
For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. It's able to give me a song in my heart. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. I think that sounds like the generation to come. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. It's able to give me joy. I need God's help in this area. There's times I, I fight to have joy. And we heard a great message on shout it out just a few days ago. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It can encourage me and cause me to keep on keeping on. And for whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. It can set me free. Then Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Oh, it can make me holy. I need that. You and I need this. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. It can save and deliver a soul. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. It can point out Jesus Christ, the object of saving faith in our life. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that believing you might have life through His name, John 20, 31. So D.L. Moody said it this way, The Bible was not given to increase our knowledge, but the Bible was given to change our life. So in what ways has your life changed today as a result of the Bible being lived out? Are you, can I say this, are you a living Bible? Are you living it out? Am I living it out? Secondly, this morning, I noticed something else in this passage of Scripture. Not only do they need to accept God's Word as it is God's Word, and it has become real in my life, because I want it to get to that next generation to come. I want to make sure it gets to them. It's not just for me. It's for them too. Then I'm going to acknowledge God's work. Not just admire it. Not just think that, wow, we all have people that we admire. We all have people that we think well of, but God is not to be just like that. That's, not, that's just not it for God. We are to admire God. We are to lift Him up high and, and lift it up, but it's, it's more than just admire, it's to acknowledge His work. And some examples of the work that He had done, verse 12 through 16, which you, we read those just a couple of minutes ago, that is acknowledging, acknowledging great things He hath done. I'm reminded of that song of great things he hath done. I'm reminded that we would do well just to stop and pause and think about what God has done in our life. To know that I'm on my way to heaven. If something were to happen to me right now, that if I fall over and have a sudden heart attack, that you'll, you'll see me again one day. But even more importantly than that, that I get to see, I'm going to actually see Jesus before you're going to see him. And that's okay. We must remind ourselves and comfort ourselves with these things, and the Scriptures tell us to do so. Boy, verse 17 and verse 19 are very dangerous. They sin yet more against Him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. They tempted God in their heart by asking me for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. If there's anybody you sh should never speak against, is there anybody that you do not want to speak against, it's be God. 
out of anyone. And anyone you ought to have reverence and respect for more so than anyone is God. More so than any person is God. Because we oftentimes just need to go back to the, this matter of acknowledging God's work. And I don't know about you, but one of my biggest fears in my life is that I will forget one of my children's birthdays, or I will forget my wife's anniversary. Please, God forbid if that happens. No, she would be, she's very patient and understanding with me, and she actually helps me with this. And she actually uh, has encouraged me, and I've done this, and, and taken, taken her, her uh, recommendation to, to write all these birthdays of my family, her family. Uh, you know, our family alone is enough to keep up with, but then her family and my family, and uh, put, put those on the calendar to write it down. And I've done that, and it's helped me tremendously. And I even have reminders for the calendar, you know, on, on there to remind me I need to get the card out, I need to get something out, so I don't forget. It doesn't pass me up. And it's one of my biggest fears is that I'll f- miss somebody out of every, everyone. And you know, it takes writing it down. I wonder this morning, did you write your salvation date down? I wonder this morning, have you written down things in your life that God has done and works that God has done in your life that you know are God? I think of how I was ordained. I think of how I was called to preach. And I think of how these dates are written down. And I have places that I go to for these things. And I'm reminded of that. I think of my wedding date. I know what that is. And, and I think of, of, like I said, the birthdays. But what about, you know, those are great. Those are important. Those are milestones in my life. And those are, those are some of the most important days ever in my life, especially salvation. And, and I think of the wedding and all those type of things. But what's also important that we forget to write down is the works that God has done. Maybe we should do some journaling. I'm not too much into that, but maybe it's something that I should do because if I'm not careful, just like you and I, we will forget. And the older I get, I guess the more I'm forgetting. But the thing of it is, it's a matter that if God has done in my life, man, I want it to get past the next generation. And I want somebody to be able to talk about And thirdly, this morning in finishing, is the approval of the Lord. The approval of the Lord. Would you notice with me, as it goes on, they speak against God. That's not someone to speak against. But then they start questioning God. I wonder, do you and I question Him? Notice verse 19, it says, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Question mark. Behold, He smote the rock that the waters gushed out. You would think that had been enough. The streams overflowed. Can He give bread also, though? How can 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 He give bread? Questioning God. Can he provide flesh for his people? Well, he's done it already before. Verse 27, it says, He rained flesh also upon them as dust, and feathered fowls like as the sand of the sea. He, left it, he let it fall in the midst of their camp, round about their habitations. They did eat and were well filled. But they're questioning this. But there's something that's important that we often forget. Verse 21, therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth. So a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also came up against Israel, because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. It's a big deal. It's a bigger deal than anything in this world is that God knows, hears, sees everything you and I do. And we would do well to live in the fear of God. And to realize that this message matters for eternity because God wanted this today. And so, God, please help me. I need your help, man. I'll say anything that should not be said. May, may I not live in a way that does not line up with what is being preached. 
about your life? Is your home life different than your work life? Church life different than your family life? Are you one thing here, another thing out there? Will we let our guard down around the people we love the most? If we're not careful, they'll see two-sidedness. Hypocrisy. Pharisee. We must be careful because we must live in the approval of God. And we need to live in this approval. Verse 31, the wrath of God came upon them and slew the fattest of them and smote down the chosen men of Israel. For all this, they sinned still. And, he believed, and believed not for his wondrous works. Therefore their days did he consume in vanity and their years in trouble. While he slew them, then they sought him. It got to a point where, oh, that's, that's, it's too much, that's enough, it must be God in control. Well, God was in control the whole time, and you started questioning Him. By the way, faith cast out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. And it's a matter that, that it, we question God a lot. But the Lord hears. I'm reminded this week, out of anybody you don't want to have a pocket phone call to, and pocket phone calls happen sometimes, but you probably don't want a pocket phone call preacher. And that happened to me Friday. And I got to thinking, what all did he hear? What, uh, maybe there wasn't anything. Where was I at? What was I doing? You know? And I realized this after he called me back and said, uh, you just called me. Oh, I did. And I realized I just called you. And I started putting the timeline together in my mind and, and thinking about it. But you know something that is way more important than someone that cares about us or that we care about? Hearing and we wonder what they heard, is we don't live in the fear of God. We don't live in the fact that the phone call is always being made to God, and the pocket phone call is happening 24-7 to God. And then He hears and He knows, and He hears the conversations you have about so-and-so, and, -so, and he, he, he knows the, the thoughts that you have and, and the things that you're doing and that wouldn't line up with God's Word. He knows all that. He knows whether you're questioning Him or questioning authority or, or you know, the, the people that are in your life and who do they think they are or wonder what they're thinking or how could they do that. You know, as a Christian, it's, it's a matter, we have this down. I just want to make you aware of something you need to pray about. Careful. That's a Christian twist on how to gossip if we're not careful. But see, the Lord hears. The Lord heard this. He, he, he heard the question marks, can you give bread, when He already given bread. He, he, he hears, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? And He sees the questions, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Would you turn with me lastly, as we finish this morning, I want you to think of these things. Would you please with me, first of all, that we need to accept God's Word for our everyday living. Have you done that? Have you acknowledged God's work, or do you just admire it? Well, I admire that. that that's a beautiful sky. I admire that, that, that tree. That's a, that's a beautiful tree. Or if you acknowledge that, no, God did that. God, only God could put that, 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 that paint on that sky, as beautiful as that sky is. Only God's canvas is that right there. He's, he's the artist of that right there. And God's working. And lastly, the approval of God. Would you turn with me to Revelation 20, verse 12? Revelation 20, verse 12, please. Revelation 20, verse 12, as we finish out this morning. Revelation 20, verse 12. I wonder where you're at this morning in all this. 
Have you accepted God's Word? It's what, what else are you going to live out from God's Word this week in your life? What is there in your life already that's from God's Word? Have you acknowledged His work and you just admire it? Revelation 20, verse 12 says this, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. Their works. That sounds like the works... We want to make sure these works get to the next generation to come, and we want to make sure that, that there's works that we're, we're reminding ourselves that God has done, and, and we want to acknowledge that, and not just admire it, but acknowledge it, and maybe it takes writing it down, and maybe it takes sharing the story, and, and so making sure that, it, let me tell you, can, can you got a couple of minutes, no, matter of fact, maybe an hour, maybe, maybe an hour and a half, two hours, maybe just we need to get together, and let me just tell you about some things that God's doing in my life, and God's work. And, and how, he, how he started this, this way back years ago, he started this work in my life with salvation. And then now, this is God. This is a miracle. Because God's still in the work, miracle working business. I hope you believe that, because that's true. And he can work a miracle in your life, in my life. And as a matter of fact, I believe this. It's a miracle the day of my salvation. I believe that's a miracle. Someone would die for me and lay down his life. But I wonder, have I accepted God's word? What, what in my life right now really shows that I'm in the Bible. What in, the, what in my life right now shows that the Bible is being lived out in my life? How is it personal to me? And the approval of God, God, oh, I'm going to stand before you one day. Boy, I sure want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, but it doesn't just happen by accident. It's not just going to happen because I want that. I desire it. Oh God, I, I want to hear that. Well, you know, Sometimes my kids want to obey, but they just don't obey. And you know what? That doesn't count. The trash is still sitting there. And, it's, and it, so God, His grace and His mercy and His compassion and His patience and His understanding, I'm so glad for it. But, but at some point, the line is drawn. At some point, God says, enough is enough. And at some point, God is going to get our attention. And at some point, we will stand before God. And we don't think about this every day and every minute of every day and every hour that goes by. And when we go to work, and God, what can I do to please you today? And I'm going to stand before you for how I communicate and how I talk at work and, and, and whether I bring up the name of Christ and then, and then throw the name of Christ away because of my testimony being so stinky and so bad. Or, psst, you hear that? Would you pray about this with me, please? We must be careful. He said, it's not a Sunday morning message. It's approval of God. That's all I'm saying. I don't know what it is. I'm just using those as, as petty, simple examples. Because it just would come to my mind right now. But it's a, it's a matter that there's other things that God can convict you of. And I hope the Holy Spirit is you're in tune with enough to say, God, please forgive me of this that happened this last week. Because that would not meet your approval. You would not put your stamp on that. You would not say that's okay. You have not said it's okay in your word to live like that. And I'm not living the, the life of God. and Not of good or bad. But I want to make sure it's the best. I want to make sure I'm godly. So that God is shown. Because Christian is really Christ-like, is what Christian really means. And God help us, and He will. 
Where are you at this morning? I wonder, have you accepted God's word for everyday living? Have you acknowledged God's work? It's not just admire, wow, that's nice, that's great, that's beautiful. No, that's God. Only God could have done that. And do you have the approval of God? Are there things that match up with His Word? There's no question, should I, should I not? I question whether I should behave this way or should I not behave this way. No, the Word of God is very clear on how a Christian is to behave themselves. The Word of God is very clear on how, a, how you can become a Christian. And so if this morning you have a desire to become a Christian and a desire to know God as your, as your Heavenly Father, What's so wonderful about the Word of God is it gives us a plain, simple, clear path that many people miss it because it's so simple. And just a trust and a belief in Christ for heaven alone. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved.